I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know I want to work in the equine industry. Friends, if you have ever thought or uttered these words, you don't want to miss today's episode. We're going to sit down with a very special guest and talk about the hedgehog concept and why culture starts with you. So grab your journals and let's grow, girl. Looking for early career growth or dreaming of the next step in your journey to greatness? I'm Jody Lynch Findlay, your thriving equine professional, podcaster, speaker, and coach. Inside this podcast, you will gain clarity through tactical advice to better understand yourself and others. You will build confidence to boldly pursue your dreams on purpose. And you will grow your community, uncovering tools to cultivate an intentional community supporting your journey. So let's dig in. If you are ready to thrive, get the ponies fed, fill those water buckets, grab your journal, and let's grow, girl. I'm here to help you thrive, to live inspired, fulfilled, and empowered. Welcome back, friends. We have such a special guest with us today, and I'm excited to share Katie Klein, Kleinbell, sorry, Katie, uh, your journey with our audience, and we'll, we'll kick right off, but I have to just tell the story on this collaboration. You and I haven't really even known each other two months. We met in Lexington at the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, and I always love to talk about how we build our community and find the people that we then end up working with and collaborating with, and I give that credit to one of my heroes, and that is Pat Trowbridge. So Pat's like, oh, Jody, you have to meet Katie, and so <laughs> there we were, and we met uh, under the tent at Equine Network and immediately just kind of became... Uh, professional connections and and had a kindred spirit, if you will, and share some of the same passions. So Katie, I couldn't be more excited to have you with us today on the Thriving Equine Professional, because you are just that. Uh, oh clearly, uh, yeah, <laughs> clearly a thriving equine professional. And I mentioned before we got started here that I love to share your journey and where you are today. And of special importance to me is that you are in that first decade. And I really think that is so important for our young people. We have a great deal of our audience who are making that transition from student to professional. They are early in their career. They want to be in the equine industry and they may not know all these opportunities. So you are now the equine network Director of Client Services and Operations. So, Katie, I'm going to stop talking and let you tell us a little <laughs> bit about who you are and what your journey has been to this point. Wonderful. Thank you, Jody. I am so grateful that we met in Kentucky. That was just like one of those moments where you're like, I think this is going to be important. Like, I think knowing Jody and having having that connection is just it was one of those like wow, I'm so glad to be here kind of thing. So, and now, and now we're here. So, and I got to kind of share 
how I got here and who I am and all the things. Um, cause I have been in those shoes where you're in college and you love horses and you want to do the things, but you're not sure. So I, I've been there and I, I feel like I'm the manifestation of just keep with it, right? Just keep going. <laughs> so I started as an intern, I'm an intern success story. So any internship opportunity that comes across your desk, I will advocate all day long that you should go after them and try to do as many internships as you can, because what better way to try on your careers and different hats than an internship? Um, so I was very fortunate in being offered an internship with this little company called the Equine Network uh, when I was like 18 or 19, like fresh, fresh freshman, <laughs> like still wet behind the ears. So excited to start at Colorado State. I was studying ag business, so um, resource economics. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. Knew I liked numbers, but I also knew I liked events. And Mariah mm. Hammerschmidt at the Equine Network was running a Home for Every Horse, our cause marketing program at the time. And they were doing the Equine Comeback Challenge. And it was their first time to do this event, which was really cool. They paired rescue horses with trainers and gave them a set amount of time to work together and then came and competed at the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo. And she needed some extra hands to make that event happen <laughs> and come together. So right. she reached out to me and I was so there. I was like, you have an event with horses and like a real company? Like, oh, yes, just way too enthusiastic. <laughs> but it was a short internship, but I learned a lot, built those connections, enjoyed getting to know everyone and kind of the structure of the equine network, et cetera. I go on, I take other internships that turned into another job. I worked for the Greeley Stampede, uh, which is a rodeo, carnival, festival, concert, fun thing. Great first job out of college. Yes. But it, they got me with that like event thing. I was like, I, I was I was so about events and I was so about the ag community and the rodeo thing really filled that niche for me. So it was super fun. But fast forward five years and I get a phone call from Mariah and Melissa Kitchen over at the Equine Network. And they say, hey, you were really a great intern and we have this job opening and we need somebody great. Would you be interested? Yes, of course. Yes. yes. Every time. Yes. And I didn't know then that I was really launching my career, but they brought me in to manage what they call their tier programs. So any advertising client that, you know, spends a good amount of money and does a variety of activities throughout the year, they just needed someone to kind of oversee those projects and those relationships and make sure that those clients were happy and that they were fulfilled. And this new program went off without a hitch. They sort of sold me on like, you get to work with SmartPak and WF Young and like all of these amazing companies. Oh, okay. Sign me up. Right. So yes. I started managing those programs, figuring it out as I went, no idea what I was doing really. Um, just trying to be the best resource that I could learn as much as I could from anybody who would talk to me, you know, whether it was the clients or other people in the company and, uh, the rest is sort of history. Like it just kept right? growing and growing and I just kept taking more stuff on. And yeah, now today I'm the director of client services and operations, which started, it still includes those tier advertising clients with the equine network. Um, but it is so much more, right? It's operations. It's, it's the flow, the work workflows across everything. It's making sure that things happen seamlessly, that reports are delivered. Um, it just, it just keeps getting bigger and I hope better as we right? go along. 
Yes. That is such an incredible story. There are so many pieces of that that are really worth noting. I love your focus on internships. That was last week's episode. So I hope everyone hears a theme here on our best practices and the recommendations and direction that you are getting from these amazing women in the industry. But you went on and I, I know that you're familiar with my pillars. I talk so much about clarity, confidence, and community, and I heard all of them. And the clarity of learning what you love to do and taking on experiences that you were probably not all that confident in taking <laughs> on, but you had to be courageous enough to do that. And then you have gained clarity on the pieces that you love to do. And my favorite of all, of course, is the community, those relationships that you've built along the way that have brought you back now to Equine Network to this amazing role. Tell our listeners, Katie, a little bit more about who Equine Network is, because a lot of listeners won't know what that encompasses. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is my favorite question. And if you don't know the Equine Network, you probably do. You just don't know that you do. Um, we are the Equine Network is the parent brand for many of the magazines that are probably in your inbox or you've seen on a coffee table at your vet supply store, et cetera. So Equus Magazine, Practical Horseman Magazine, Horse and Rider, the Team Roping Journal, right? Hopefully some of those ring a bell. Um, so we started as kind of print media. I believe our CEO started this, Tom Windsor started this as like an e-newsletter <laughs> and it has grown now to this massive thing. We still have all of those print brands and they're still, they're still a big part of what we do every day, but we are so much more. We are digital first, right? So all the online content you could ever want for every horse owner, that's sort of our goal. Um, so we've got all the articles and all the education on our websites for all of those brands, but we also have our video on-demand platforms. So like Practical Horseman on-demand, Horse and Rider on-demand, uh, which is training. So you can get all the training insight you could ever want and dream of at the click of a button to go through and watch those videos to become the best horseman you can be. We have an entire video department, which is maybe little known, uh, but a lot of the commercials that you see for these companies were hopefully a lot of them were made by us. Uh, we see a lot of familiar footage out there, but those commercials for products or documentaries for different companies as they've grown up in the equine space, um, the equine networks video department is, has a big hand in a lot of those just so many things. We have a marketing department with an in-house agency that has done everything from package, like feedback redesigns through like robust research projects. So um, like doing brand audits and totally taking a look at how your brand sits in the market, getting the quantifiable metrics behind it, and then doing a focus group to dive in, just really sort of becoming that one-stop shop in the industry for consumers, anything you might want or need to know about your horses, but also on the B2B side and helping support them making their advertising decisions, but also just like their positioning within the market. So we're a lot of things, um, but I, yes. I hope some of those rang a bell and I bet a lot of your listeners are familiar with them too. I agree. And Katie, you're still in Colorado, right? So give us a little bit of your geography. Have you moved yep. around a lot in your uh, career from student to career evolution? I got lucky uh, being here in Colorado. I'm a Colorado native, born and raised. I've never lived anywhere else, which is kind of boring. I know, <laughs> uh, but I love no. it here. I'm a mountain girl. 
So the, the rodeo I used to work for was here in Northern Colorado. And then the Equine Network, when they were part of Active Interest Media, had their headquarters in Boulder. So I made the drive down to Boulder every day. We worked in cubicles. Like our life looked very different. And then 2020 hit and they sent us home for two weeks and we never went back. They, we hit that rocket ship of growth during that same period, got bought by a new investment company who just really believes in our mission and helped us really expand quickly. And at that time we were hiring from wherever we were hiring remote everything like A to Z, every job that we were posting, it didn't matter where you were. We wanted the best of the best. And now they've closed the office. They sold the building. We are hundred percent remote. So I'm talking to people from both coasts every day, all over. I have a couple of international connections that I work with and it doesn't matter. I do it all from my little, my little office here in Colorado. I love that. And I do. I point that out because those are some of the early questions. And I know you would get them as well as we talk to young people that are interested in these types of careers. Uh, there, Am I going to have to move? Should I move? I have this opportunity. And so I always just like to showcase those of those of us that have moved all over the place and those of us that have maybe stayed in a tighter geography and those decisions are made along the way based on the opportunities. So I think that's important as well. Definitely. So yeah, and it's you, changing for sure. Yes, it has changed rapidly. So I think mm-hmm. that to your point, the pandemic accelerated a slow change that was occurring and yep. our ability to be remote and do more of what we all do from a remote perspective. Yeah, now, for sure. I don't want to miss out on the other job that you have as well. So <laughs> you, you, not to mention your full-time job, but you are also the host of a podcast. I do. I am. Yes. Um, I host a podcast called Beyond the Saddle, um, which started as an equine network brainstorm. We were sitting around the table talking about all the cool people we work with, all of the clients and accounts, most of them women in these really amazing roles with companies in marketing. And nobody talks about how cool that is and how many opportunities there are to work in the equine industry. So we we named it Beyond the Saddle because how many jobs are there out there that are not a trainer, that are not a competitive rider, and they're making money in this, what, $50 billion industry <laughs> that are yes. so much more than just riding a horse. There's a lot more we can do with it. And so we have a podcast to talk about that. Yes. And I, uh, I think that was one of our very first connections was I'm like, yes, those are the, that that's exactly what I want to do is just continue. Give me a bullhorn and let's talk about all the amazing people in this industry and all the opportunities there are that Mm -hmm. I, and I mentioned, I think earlier as a young person coming into this space, I had such little idea of all the different opportunities that are out there and the different roles that you can't dream of until all of a sudden you're in the industry, you're having these conversations and someone says to someone says to someone, and all of a sudden you're like, is that a thing? You can get paid to do that. And so I think that's really important to point out that there are so many opportunities beyond the few things we think of. Yes, we can be a veterinarian, we can be a technician, we can be a practice manager, we can be a sales rep or a nutritionist, but we can be in marketing and social media and and it's and I always say and and and. 
Totally. When I think there's um, this misconception that if you want to work in the equine industry, you have to go to college and get a degree in equine science or something, you know, something along that line, which yeah. is if you have fallen down that and that's the path that you're down, like you will learn amazing, wonderful things. But that's not the only way to work in the equine industry, right? Like we need accountants. We need people in human resources. We need all of these functions. Anything you can dream of for a functioning business happens in the equine industry. Every single facet. Like you can be an, a horse lover, but also be good in Excel and still work in the industry, right? Like you don't have to be the, the next whatever trainer to make it in this industry and talk about horses every day. I, I talk about horses all day long. And you know what I do a lot of? PowerPoints and spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'll be the first one to say that right now I will be so excited to find someone who can do all of the social media for me. I, I am a self-proclaimed Gen Xer. That is not my space. My, my area of brilliance or genius is not technology. So, uh, so yes, I, I need you. I need you out there to be, to be doing those things that, that I am not good at. That's right. Our skills complement, right? We got to build on yes. one another. And if we're all like super into nutrition, then we don't have a full industry. If we're all super into farrier work, then we don't have an industry. Like there's, it takes us all for sure. Yes. So I think that leads into, you had two really incredible points to make, I think for our audience today, Katie. And so we've talked about, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to work in the equine industry, but take that a little bit further for us because you've got the hedgehog concept that I'm really interested to learn about. So tell us more about that. Yes. Okay. So the hedgehog concept is coined by Jim Collins in his book that has been around for decades, but is still relevant today. It's called Good to Great. And it's about taking your company from being a good company to being a great company, right? That stands the test of time that has, they look at a lot of like companies that are publicly traded so that they have the data, but like, how do you become one of those rocket ship companies going from good to great? And one of the ways those companies do it, and it applies at the company level and it applies at the personal level is knowing your hedgehog concept, which there's a whole theory behind why it's called the hedgehog concept. You got to read the book, <laughs> but it distills <laughs> down to three questions that we can kind of talk about here that helps you figure that out. So if you want to work in the equine industry, you don't know how, I would start by asking these three questions and crystallizing where they intersect. So the first question is, what do you care about? What are you passionate about? And a lot of us are passionate about horses, right? Love it, here for it, but get more specific, right? Yes. Are you passionate about Rainers? Are you passionate about the joint health of Rainers? Are you passionate about when to put your Rainer in training? Whatever it is, get specific with what it is that you care a lot about. You can be general. I love horses across the board and I do a lot of work on both sides, English, Western. I work with veterinarians, but getting specific about what it is about the industry or the people of the industry or the sector of the industry that you care about. So what are you passionate about? Question one. Okay. Question two is what are you good at? <laughs> 
that's important to know. Hopefully, you know, you've kind of figured that out as you go through college or as you're in your other jobs, you're sort of starting to distill what is it that you have a real talent for? And it's more than just like a core competency, right? It, that's a piece of it. Yeah. You need to be able to do the thing. But what could you become the best in the world at? Like, that's a different lens to put on it. Like, not just what can you do? What do you do really well, better than anyone else, or that you could hone your skills to do better than anyone else? So that's question two. Okay. Question three is what are you going to get paid to do? That's the whole point, right? <laughs> Somebody's got to pay you for it. It has to be economically viable. Like you might love painting rainbows, but if painting rainbows isn't going to pay your bills, that's probably not where you should like head into the industry. You got to have something that someone's going to pay you for, which you'll figure that out really quickly, right? If your skills yes. and what you're pursuing worth a dollar amount or not, it's a journey. <laughs> it's a but journey. Between, yes. Between those three questions, if you draw like a Venn diagram of here's the things that I'm passionate about, here's the things I care about. Here's the things I'm good at or could become the best at. And here's the things I get paid for. Those things in the middle, that's your hedgehog concept. That is the crystallized point that you should be focusing on. And it takes a while to answer these questions, right? This is not like a yes. you sit down over the weekend and you think about it. This is like evolving over time as you grow, but keep them in mind. And you're going to have a much better answer of what do you want to do in the equine industry? Yes. So such good advice. And I'm here for those that can't see us. I'm just nodding away as you go through <laughs> these. Right. And especially number two. Yes, we want to talk about what, what we're passionate about. And number two, what are you good at? Really? I call that your superhero factor. You know, like, what are you a superhero at? And I love your visualization of drawing that Venn diagram. Because I do, to your point, believe that this is a constant evolution. And as we go through this journey, because it is not just saying that I am going to be the director of client services and operations, and that you didn't say that, I'm guessing the day you walked across <laughs> the stage at Colorado State University, you no. know, like, <laughs> we don't have to know what we're going to be doing, even five years, let alone 10 or 20. And while some of us stay in roles for a long time, others of us might move a few times in our career. And that is becoming just more and more common as we continue to maybe journal over these three questions and continue to learn and develop and move both laterally and vertically. The career ladder looks so different today. And those opportunities are there if we will just really kind of open our eyes, ask a lot of questions and keep challenging ourselves to be a better version of ourselves than we were yesterday. So wise. Yeah, I think it's it's an evolution, like you said, too. And let's say a new opportunity comes across your plate. I would use those three questions, like go back to your little Venn diagram of your three circles and say, does this opportunity fit with that? Right? Like, 
Am I passionate about what I might get to do in this role? Am I any good at the things they're going to ask me to do in this role? And are they going to pay me for those things, right? Like if you kind of revisit them, like as you come to those junctures throughout your career, not to say you're going to get like a perfect like moment from God that this is the right (laughs) answer, but I think it'll give you some things to chew on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So that you get some of that clarity through the answering of those questions, certainly. No, I I agree wholeheartedly. And I think it's why I have continued throughout my career to land back in the equine space. I, I always will joke. I went to college and my degree is agriculture. I love agriculture across the board and working in animal science and animal health. But time and again, where I might be in a role that's a little bit more cross species, I might be working, you know, on the companion animal or or food animal or livestock side, I always end up back in equine. And so <laughs> I, I think to answer those questions is what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about equine people. So as, as passionate mm-hmm. as I am about the horse, I am passionate about this industry and the people that are currently here and those that are interested in coming. And the real reason, Katie, that I started this was I continue to hear young people in programs being told that they need to choose something else to do that they won't get paid enough. There's not enough jobs in equine. There's not enough money to be made. And I just don't believe that's the truth. I believe that we've got opportunities and we need to start showcasing some of those opportunities like you are doing on, on the Beyond the Saddle podcast and that we will continue to do the more that we have collaborations like this. Like there are opportunities Mm -hmm. and we need people that speak horse and are educated and skilled in all of these different areas as you as you talked about absolutely my vet who i love dearly is very very old school right <laughs> definitely like like i'll come my horse will be like bl- gushing blood and he'll be like it's a long way from his heart right like you get the vibe <laughs> he's, he's very like no stress and uh, I was I was going to CSU, you know, he's been my vet since I was a little girl. And he's like, oh, you're going to Colorado State. You know, what are you going to study? And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go business. I'm going to go ag business and I'll be in the College of Ag. And he tells me, well, it's a good thing you didn't choose equine science because you don't want a degree in, in shoveling shit. <laughs> like you don't want a degree in cleaning <laughs> stalls. And, but that's the sentiment. And it's just not true, right? Like if you have that degree and that passion, there's so much you can do beyond just manage a barn. There's a lot out there. Yes, there is. There's so much out there. And for whatever reason, we have kind of gotten to that sentiment. And I do believe that probably one of the greatest pieces of advice that we can offer is to go ahead and be versatile in your experiences. And so while there's nothing wrong with an equine science degree, make sure that you are pursuing business and other interests in the College of Ag or the College of Business or whatever that looks like, because I think those are some of the reasons that we have standouts as it relates to competing for jobs and roles in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. I just went through a round of hiring and looking at resumes. 
I, I love working, looking at resumes for the equine industry because there's so much like, I was part of this organization and I have these accolades and like all this stuff from your like breed associations and, you know, your trials and tribulations under saddle in the arena. All of that is great. And I, I love that. And I need that to work at the equine network. You need to speak horse, but I really need somebody who understands like a customer relations management system, right? Like, or yes. somebody who understands and has that like project management credentials, right? Like those are like those hard skills, those like tangible skills that I need in a company that's growing. Like, I, I think it's great that you've gone and you've done amazing things with, with your breed and your chosen discipline. Please continue to do that. I need that. But I also need someone who knows accounting or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I do. And so hear these things. You, I, I'll say that to our audience, right? Hear these things. And that falls back. I, I tend to talk about professional development and what we can do to advance our skills and how we need to look inside ourselves and really focus on being more, more effective, more self-aware. But then those acronyms really let you just roll through because you explained that project management and customer relations, we get to a point where we're like, yeah, we need PMPs and we need CRM understanding and those kinds of things, but that is true. And so as our audience starts to get more comfortable in speaking with mentors and champions that are doing these roles, if they reach out to a Katie or a Jody really understanding here are some of the opportunities you have to pursue skills and abilities that will make you stand out for roles like this. Yes, absolutely. Can't, can't underscore it enough. <laughs> those soft skills matter, but those hard skills matter too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So I, I want to jump over and I think that's a beautiful segue over to culture. You love to talk about the importance of culture, Katie. And so, yes, <laughs> yes. We're both like, yes, let's talk about culture. <laughs> so much to say on this particular topic. But again, advice for our listeners, building and seeking culture. I gravitated when you, you know, when you and I spoke and it's like seeking culture. So let's break that down for our listeners. We want to hear from you. You, you make the statement that culture starts with you. So tell us more. Yes, culture is so important. Let, let's just take an example from, we'll go back to our hedgehog for a minute. You found the job that fits your Venn diagram, right? You, you found the job, you landed the job, or, or maybe you're just applying for the job um, that meets where it's you're passionate about, what you're good at, and they're going to pay you for it. Awesome. Rainbow sunshine. So excited about this job. None of it matters if the culture is not a good fit. It could be the perfect, you could be president of the United States and be so excited to do all the things. If the culture around you and the people that you're going to work with don't jive with how you function and how the, the vibe that you want to be in, it's not going to matter. You're going to be miserable. <laughs> you are not going to enjoy your life, even if the job is perfect. So finding yes. culture, seeking that culture matters more than you know. And I, I think it's hard and I think it's intimidating in the interview yes. process to think about that, but it is beyond important. And when I'm hiring, I mean, I'm hiring for those skill sets, but I'm hiring for a cultural fit, like getting the right person on my bus matters to me more than what they can do once they're there. Right. I yes. can, I can mold that. They got to be the right yeah. person. Otherwise 
It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for you. This is a waste of time. So finding that seeking culture is so valid and is so important, but it's hard to do, especially in the interview phase. And that's really where it starts. When you go into your interview, you're excited about this job. You think it fits your little Venn diagram, your little hedgehog concept. You're so excited. You landed the interview. Hopefully at the end of the interview, after they get done interviewing you, they should give you space to interview them. If they don't give you a space to ask questions, red flag number one. <laughs> right. But most of them will, right? Like the company should give you space because it's an exchange. Like it needs to be a fit. When yes. they do that, when they say, what questions do you have for us? Take that opportunity to try to dive into their culture. Find out what it's like to work there. My favorite example of this, like an example question you can use is, what is your company's core values? And how do you live them? And the second part of that is really important because they might like give you the, the rattled off version of whatever's written in the employee handbook of what their core values are. But if they can't answer how they live them, they don't matter. They're not real values yes. for that company. If they don't have examples of how they help their employees live their core values or initiatives they are pursuing that bolster that core value of the company, then they don't mean it. And that should be a red flag. And you should dive into that too. <laughs> not, right. not always it's a, it's a no-go, right? There may be more to that story, but it's a really good kind of temperature read in that first or second interview that you can say, what are your core values? How do you demonstrate them? And let them give examples and let them yes. squirm. If they don't have examples and they get kind of like shut down about it, that might tell you a lot right there. Absolutely. Because you've just sat through at least an hour of squirming yourself so that we can make them <laughs> squirm a little right for 10 or yeah. 15 minutes at the tail end of that interview. Well, mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more with that. And it really it reminds me of a great example in my career. I was very hungry for a particular role. And when I had my first interview with that hiring manager, I remember exactly where I was. I can I can describe it to this day. And I got through that interview. And if Katie, if I'd had your advice before that situation, I may have turned the role down, but mm -hmm. I didn't. Alas, what I I was hungry for that role in particular. But if I was truly honest with myself, I knew that was not going to be a cultural fit in an employee manager situation for me. And it wasn't, it wasn't from the beginning and it doesn't ever get better. If it's not a good cultural fit from the beginning, it doesn't get better. And being able to own that and have those conversations that's important. It's important advice from you as a mentor. It's important conversation to have with our mentors and our champions and our heroes. Um, I've kind of outlined those definitions because I think that is truly just so critical in our evolution where we do have to evolve and learn and grow. We also can remain true to our authentic selves and Back mm -hmm. to your first points of what am I passionate about? What am I good at? And what can I get paid to do? All of these things do have to come together. And that's not always easy. No, it can be the hardest thing, honestly. Finding that fit and finding a place that's going to help you 
thrive. <laughs> we love that word, right? But it matters so yes. much and you cannot thrive if you don't match up with their culture. So find, ask the questions. And if you don't feel like you get it in those first couple of conversations with a new company, like point it out, right? Like be like, this is really yeah. important to me. Can you help me understand your culture? You know, what, what are the expectations? You know, how often do we meet? Is there transparency between the leadership team and the doers? Like, what is that exchange? What does success look like? Ask those questions and make the space to find those things out. Cause you'll thank yourself for it. Like you said, you, you may have turned yeah. some things down. Had you known, or had you made the space to ask those questions? Yes, absolutely. Another little quote of mine that came to mind as you were talking is that you know the importance of that culture and you going through the process of hiring, it reminded me of notes I've jotted before where I say we hire character and train skills. Ah, yes. Love that. Yes. 100%. So we are truly looking for you to be a fit for the job description itself, but for the team and the company and the brand. And all of that is the the whole package. And you are right. If, if there is anything that is so almost unattainable, right? <laughs> then the process of going through attracting and retaining talent is exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Like all of these pieces fitting together. So, so crucial. Other piece of it. So that's like seeking culture, right? Like finding yeah. it, understanding it before you get in too deep. <laughs> but the other piece of it is building culture. Like culture is not something that just happens overnight, right? Culture is a journey and it takes every single person in the company to contribute to it and to live yeah. it every day. And that starts with you. So even if you like, let's say you land the job, this dream job that fits your Venn diagram, your hedgehog concept, the culture is maybe not what you thought, but you're here. You can start implementing that culture, right? Like, or at least for yourself, right? And like surround yes. yourself with those ideologies and just start exhibiting the culture that you want to see and be part of that movement. It starts with you. It takes everybody on that team, no matter where you sit on the org chart, right? From the bottom to the top, every single person matters in terms of culture. And yes. it might be something as simple as like getting to know your coworkers, right? Like I work remote. I've got like this massive team. I mean, I think I work with like 90 people every week or something crazy between clients and, and my own team, my own direct reports, and then, you know, our sales reps, et cetera. So there, there's a lot of personalities there. <laughs> there's yes. a lot of, like I said, coast to coast, like we're dealing with the time zone thing. Like everybody has their own exciting lives going on. And the only way I get to interact with them is through a screen. That's it. Right. This is all I get, <laughs> but I can take those moments to find out what's important to them. Like they, your coworkers are more than just coworkers. They are human yes. beings. Most of the time they are equestrians. Like you already right. have a leg up to start those conversations and get to know them and, and have sort of a more relaxed exchange because you both like horses. You both probably have horses. You're both probably worried about when the farrier is going to come and show up and like all those things. It starts there, right? Like yes. just be a human, <laughs> just right. be a human being with the people you need to talk to and start with that. Yes. 
That that is tremendous advice to sum up the whole conversation. Just be a human being. <laughs> it's that simple. I love that. But that is also, Katie, again, the foundation for me and what is happening here is building this community. And so I want to make sure that as we wrap up, that our listeners know how to connect with you. I know you and I are connected on LinkedIn and you are part of the brand new group that we have created to kind of complement this podcast. And it is, of course, titled The Thriving Equine Professional. So how can our listeners follow and reach out and connect with you? Yes. Well, you can definitely follow Beyond the Saddle. Um, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we're part of the Horse Radio Network. So go check out the podcast. Follow us on Instagram is usually where I'm posting there. So you get a little bit of my slice of life there occasionally on what's happening in Equine Network world. So start there. Podcast would be great. Um, but I would love to connect. So reach out on LinkedIn. That's the best place to really interact and we can talk, shoot me a message, all the things. Um, I would love to see you. And yeah, I'm part of that group. So you can find me in Jody's group, the thriving equine professional. Fantastic. Katie, I know that we could talk all day and we will want to have you <laughs> back again. Um, but I can't thank you enough for sharing so much wisdom today. I, as we depart company, I want to remind our listeners of those three incredible questions that I think you shared with us today that are just so valuable. Number one, what do you care about? Meaning what's your passion? Number two, what are you good at? Meaning what's your talent? And number three, what can you get paid to do, which is your economic viability? Those three questions, again, journal over them and maybe go read Jim Collins's book, right? And learn more about the hedgehog concept from good to great and reach out to Katie, but connect with us and start to really intentionally grow this community because Katie and I are both here because we care so darn much about making sure that this next generation of leaders in the equine industry has mentors and champions and heroes, and they have visibility to all the opportunities that are out there. Yes. Come talk with us. There's space for everybody. Let's make this equine industry bigger, better every day. I love it. Katie, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you being our second guest on The Thriving Equine Hi. Professional. <laughs> Thanks. Friend, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, first, I want you to go share it with a friend. Second, I would be so grateful if you would pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review so I know you're here. And finally, come join me in our private LinkedIn group, The Thriving Equine Professional, as we build this community of equine leaders.